It's Erica Washington, your favorite play cousin. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to mix it up. And I think the main reason is because women rule and we really want to talk about liberation of women. Uh, but everyone knows that we have this really dope producer. Her name is Brenda. And Brenda's going to be our play cousin guest host for today with me. So Brenda, who I am also not related to, uh, has joined us. Instead of just being behind the scenes, she is going to be our Play Cousin co-host. Welcome, Brenda. Hi, thank you so much. I want to talk about the ultimatum. Let me start by saying I don't watch reality shows. I pride myself on not watching reality shows. I've never seen an episode of the Kardashians. I've never seen, you know, I think I might have seen a couple of real world episodes way, way back when, when it first started. But for the most part, I find them to be weird and um, manipulative and just overall just strange. Um, but a friend of mine who was actually on our last episode, uh, Danielle Atkinson, she got me watching the ultimatum uh, or not the ultimatum. What was the one that's a spinoff from the ultimatum? Love, Love is blind. Love is blind. So yes. she had me watching that during quarantine in 2020. Mm -hmm. And I guess I didn't have nothing else to do. I started watching it. I got sucked in and I finished that season. So then I watched the second season of that when it came out. And then I saw, oh, they have this other show, which I guess is not really a spinoff, but it's the same host, mm -hmm. The Ultimatum. And so I've been watching it or I watched it with my husband. We watched all the episodes in a weekend, which I don't know if I'm ashamed of that or um, I should get an award. I'm not sure. But holy crap. What some weird crap that is. It's weird. So I took some self-care time and that that's the one show I was like, I'm going to sit down and actually watch this. And I started watching it and we caught the first episode with my husband too. And he was really intrigued because he's like, this is. Insane. I think husbands like this stuff. They act they like they don't and it. I think they like it. They won't admit it because I continued to watch it without him, like the other episodes. And he was really upset. He said, you watched it without me. You don't, he really used the, you don't care about me then um, oh, quote. Yeah. So My it was the same thing. He would yeah. have done the same thing. So we did watch them all together. Really made us late for something we were supposed to be at uh, to finish because we were at the end of the season. And I'm like, well, we got to finish this before I get up and go get dressed. So, but what did you think of the show? Like the idea, the premise is that, you know, these couples have been together for X amount of time. I think everyone was around two years or something. And, you know, and they were it was, so young. And Can they we were talk young. About how young they were. They were like 22, 23, 24 years old. And they were ready to give ultimatums. Like it was that, you know, um, uh, why buy the why buy the cow when the milk is free sort of thing or but it wasn't all women giving the ultimatum some of them it were the men the men were like look mm -hmm. I want to have a baby I want to get married I want to do x y and z and it's like if you don't want to do it then we need to break up and with the show itself it was like all these people had an ultimatum and then they switched up partners like it was like a two-step square dance or something and then you went and stayed with those people for a couple of weeks to see if maybe you don't really want to be with this person. Could you find life with someone else who actually wants to get married and have children and all of those things? It was just weird because then they were like hanging out together or the men were hanging out with the men and the women with the women. And you knew that and they, they had to talk about person. each other. Right. Oh my God. It was it was really I'm surprised someone to get popped in the mouth. 
I give props to the woman because I for sure would have taken it completely different if I heard, you know, how this man, my own man was doing this, right? Um, it was so bizarre to me. The whole idea of the social experiment was very interesting. And you know what I found more interesting was what folks were saying online about these people. Um, the person that I absolutely disliked the most was the most favorited, you know, personality per like the person mm -hmm. and I I think I mentioned this before I was like I really want to do my own experiment and see who their favorite person is and if they're single or married or like in a relationship and mm -hmm. so on um because this this is just I don't know would you do it Erica no <laughs> would you go to make sure he's the love of your life look either you know or you don't know I don't mm -hmm. really feel like you know Either you've dated people before and you've gotten a feel for what a true relationship should feel like or you haven't. And I'm a firm believer, especially when it comes to men, when they are ready to get married, they are ready to get married. When they're not ready and they're just heming and hawing and kind of on the fence, but then they're not ready. And then either you, you're ready to wait and say, okay, this is not the right time for X, Y, and Z, whatever those reasons are. Some of them were financial, some of them were, you know, other things or what have you. But if someone's still ready to be out in the streets, the one dude, like he was coming home three, four, five o'clock in the morning. You're not he got ready home to be at nobody. eight in the morning. Eight in the morning that one time. I'm like, you're not ready to be nobody's husband. Cause that's just not even remotely acceptable. It doesn't even make sense, you know, and so. For me, I just don't I don't understand ultimatums in that way. Like I can see how you can be impatient because you're ready for something the other person is not. But if they're not ready, then they're not ready. And trying to force somebody into it sounds like you're starting off your marriage in a really crappy way. Yeah. Especially when it comes I, to kids. So one girl, like she said, I don't want to have kids. I do not want to have children. And he's like, but I do. And then they end up getting engaged anyway. Sorry, I'm spilling the beans. That but was that was the fakest engagement I had ever I seen. I had secondhand embarrassment, if that was a thing. I know, it. and she, yes. And then they just, and they sort of dogged her at the table, like, so are you really about to do this? Like, this is, doesn't even make sense. Everybody was just, but he had just said before proposing that he was going to choose another girl. Yes, yes. He didn't so, want to look stupid because he didn't think anybody else wanted him. He must have been like a Leo or something. And the... <laughs> to say that i'm a leo so i can't <laughs> but the same with the, the one lady who was really annoying whose name i don't remember she's like she had a lot of plastic surgery she had a lot of work done that that was proposed to first mm -hmm. um that also seemed like i didn't think anybody's gonna pick her anyway nobody liked her nobody was about to pick to spend two or three weeks with her especially when you just threw a tantrum because a guy said, Hey, I don't find you interesting when she was dating. And, and then she, she started went telling to everybody what a bad guy he was. I'm was... like, he doesn't find you attractive. Get over it. And she was so shocked and appalled that someone didn't find her attractive. Mm, I don't know. Does this surprise Anywho. you though? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I uh <laughs> yeah, I People do what they do. And, you know, and, and it seemed to be when you watch the reunion that, you know, a few things came out that, you know, some folks still even at the end that you thought they had sort of a happy ending. They really didn't because one, y'all are just really young. Go finish partying and blacking out and doing all that weird stuff and then figure out when you're ready to settle down and have children. And the one girl who really the one I think that was you thought that was most annoying that people like she's already in another relationship and ready to settle down and get married again. I'm just like, you just want to be married. And some people are like that. They just want to be married. It don't even really matter with whom 
just be married. That's the title. The title just of the a wife. Title, title oh. of wife. They want the wedding. They want all that. But a marriage is hard. Who you telling? Girl. Anyway, this episode is about freedom. It ain't a freedom from marriage because I think we we all the way in that. But it's a freedom to try it in different ways, I guess, is what this show has taught us. And uh, I wish them the best. But you're not going to catch me or allowing my significant other that I actually want to marry, you know, allowing them to go off and traps around with whomever. You don't get that kind of freedom over here. True. And we're celebrating mothers all month hey! long. Because mamas are where it's at. I mean, that's how we got here. Even if you're not a mama, right. you came from a mama. Mm-hmm. So let's celebrate mothers. Ooh. Mother's Day for all. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. let's carry on. What's next? Hey, everybody. It's Play Cousins. I'm Erica. And again, special guest today is play cousin Brenda, who is also our producer. And our episode this month, we're really going to be talking about liberation and liberation in all forms, black liberation, women's liberation, um, you know, mama's liberation, all the liberations that need to happen for us to get free together. And so we have invited on to this episode, uh, a very good friend of ours, uh, Make It Work Nevada has spent a lot of time working with the Black Futures Lab since 2018, which is, I believe, is when Black Futures Lab started. And it's also the same year that Make It Work Nevada came to be a state organization. And we both we we both have some of the same uh, mission and vision around uh, elevating black folks and really getting down to what's important to us and how we how we work together in order to achieve our liberation. So today we have on from the Black Futures Lab, the lovely Miss Kristen Powell. Welcome. Hey y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy you are here. Now, where are you joining us from? What, What city or what state are you in? I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Okay, Ohio. How, is that where you're from, born and raised or? I'm born and raised in Ohio and just moved back two years ago so I can get these babysitters for free. (laughs) That sounds good. How old are your babies? Just two. I have one that's two years old last month. Oh, yay. So how are the twos going for you? It's not going well. (laughs) So it's for real the terrible twos. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. (laughs) It was almost like he woke up on his birthday was like, I'm going to show out for the next year. Yeah, so uh, um, it's it's terrible, and it's also exciting because he he does new things every day, and so I'm convinced he's a genius, like all moms, because I'm like, oh, look, he's doing this, he's doing that. So equally terrible and exciting. Yeah, I think that is the best part of of being a mom is one uh, looking at this person and watching them grow, watching them change like their face changes their you know you can see their their personalities coming through and and all of that and it just sort of and some of the stuff that you know comes from you or comes from from their other parent or what have you comes through and you're like oh why are you doing that stop doing that where'd that come from oh shoot that's me they're they're doing me this is a problem how do we fix this What's even crazier is when I see my dad and I'm like, oh, so you're you're channeling 
like my dad giving me faces like you're disappointed in me early. <laughs> like, That's funny. That. Back to the Black Futures Lab. Tell the folks who are unfamiliar with Black Futures Lab um, what it is y'all do and, and what you do there. Yeah, so Black Futures Lab is building Black political power. And we're doing that in a few different ways. Um, we invest in Black-led organizations across the country through our um, policy institute and helping craft and move policy ideas, as well as regrants, um, training opportunities for Black organizers. Um, the second thing that we do is, is voter turnout. We're interested in talking to Black voters, um, specifically this year, um, Black people that live in rural areas and Black men. Um, those are two populations that a lot of other groups aren't tapping into. Um, and uh, in five states this year, we'll be in California, North Carolina, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Louisiana. Um, and then the last thing is we want to listen to Black people to make sure that um, Black folks and what we want is an integral part of a policy agenda across those states. And that's where our flagship program, the Black Census, comes in and, and listening to um, 200,000 Black people across this country so that we can have an understanding of what we want and, and all that we want um, from the different avenue, you know, different types of Black people, from immigrants to LGBTQ to rural living, people who are incarcerated um, and so on. Well, cool. So we did, uh, as Make It Work Nevada, we uh, were a part of the Black Census in 2018 when it first launched. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't, it was, I think the end of the summer, it felt like I think it might have been August or something when we started. And that particular survey was pretty long. It was, it was pretty onerous. And, but we were really excited to do it. I tell people all the time is, uh, you know, I reached out to Alicia and asked, hey, are you guys going to come to Nevada to um, do the survey? Or Because at that time, we weren't, we weren't really sure how the whole thing was going to work. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no. And I said, why not? And I'm like, there are Black people here. At least 100 of us, I think. You know, we, <laughs> we can get it together. And so I'm kidding. There's about 8% of the population is, is Black here in Nevada. But we were just getting started as an organization and i really felt like that was a great way for us to get out there and talk to people and ask the questions and they were some really dope questions that they were asking and of course because they wanted to talk to everybody from folks who were incarcerated to people who lived in the rules or um you know whether you had a six-figure salary or no salary whatsoever children not children you know i i was like you know red bone you know where we we want to talk to all of you we want to know what's going on and i found it to be um enlightening to be able to just be out and talking to folks and and i will say that we won you know outstanding field program in 2018 <laughs> uh, with the black census and i think we talked to over 1200 people ourselves mm -hmm. and even though it was hard because it was hard because as much as people say no one comes and talks to us no one comes over here and asks us what we need when we do it people then question what's this for right why are you asking these questions you know where's this going where's my data going we're not asking for your social security number we want to know how you feel about politics we want to know how you feel about your current income what do you think's going on in the neighborhood we want to know 
those type of things so that we can put together a, a list and so we can put together memos and what have you and be that conduit between um, the community and those who believe that they are in power. Because of course, I think the people in power are us, but those who we voted in, they need to know what's happening. What I'm excited about is that we're doing it again this year. And so it's just recently launched. We've just we're just getting started um, collecting black census surveys and everybody here in the office has taken it. And, you know, it was a lot shorter. So appreciate that. You know, but at the same time, I do appreciate that we had so many questions that dug so deep the last time. And we need to figure out a way how we can ask more questions and get people to actually want to answer them all. But um I think this time, what I'm hoping is because it's shorter, we're also able to have some conversations with folks out in the streets and and really get a feel for where they are right now because it's post, kind of post pandemic ish, I guess. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I don't know, like you know, I'm still gonna wear a mask on a plane. I don't really care what the uh, FAA says or whoever made that decision, but uh, there's a lot going on. There's a whole lot going on right now, and um, we need to have a collective conversation and voice around how we want things to be done. Yeah, so much has changed since the first census, right? The, the pandemic, the Trump saga, like just a lot has happened. Um, now with inflation, you know, everything is so high. I mean, um, come on, let's just think about Roe versus Wade. Roe, gosh, just this week. So much has changed. And so I think we're going to see a lot of different responses this time because there's just so much that has changed and some things will stay the same. Mm -hmm. I think people are still going to be concerned about white supremacy and racism and the police. Um, but I think you're going to see more people talking about jobs and talking about can't afford our housing or, you know, health care even more. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to see what people say and that hopefully will reach more people because it's shorter mm -hmm. and it'll give more chance to talk to more folks. I'm excited to see the results just because, you know, housing has, you know, has always been a crisis. But I think right now it's been definitely more highlighted more than ever. And even with the healthcare, you know, a lot of folks were just not part of some conversations and they didn't have the resources, right, to go see a doctor and all these things when they got sick. So I'm really, really curious about that. But I'm also curious, I guess, to see how will it go now? Because I have heard that folks don't want anything to do with politics now, right? People are, yeah. are so turned off by just everything. Like what's happening just this week alone? What, yeah, what, I've have, been what are your conversations around? I know it's I've been trying like, to talk reality. To I mean, just my own family has been like eye-opening as I've been doing the census with them. Like, and as we're asking them questions, you know, you ask them about all the things they care about. Okay, are you going to vote? Oh, no, I'm done to voting. This, no, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> you know, and it's just a conversation after conversation of, of, um, of that or, or, you know, as we're talking to people, asking them about the institutions or the public officials and what they know about them. Do they trust them just down the board? Um, and this is just anecdotally as I've talked to people. Um, no, I don't trust the police. I don't trust the school board. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the hospitals. I don't like just down, down, down. I don't know what the Supreme Court does. So I don't, I don't know if I trust that. I don't know. I don't know who Nancy Pelosi is. So I definitely don't trust her. I don't know, you know, just down, down, down. Um, and so it'll be really interesting as we get the results back um, of what do we do with this? If we have, 
you know, and this is just me and the people I've talked to here in Ohio, but if we have a large cross-section of folks that are saying similar things, what does that mean for us as we try to um, get folks out to vote this fall? Um, and uh, it's, it's um, in some ways really scary to think about that, but in other ways, um, you know, this is the time where the uh, creativity of organizing comes to light and we just got to talk to people and get them and, and, and get them excited again. Yeah, and, and for I, the, oh no, go sorry. ahead, Brenda. Just for the folks who are listening, um, until when can they fill it out? July 31st. Okay, so July 31st. <laughs> and so, well, actually, I'm gonna take that back because you need to come to our link. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go to the Make It Work Nevada link so we get counted for because I yeah. got a goal, I got a big goal. I want a thousand census, uh, coming from Nevada. I want Nevada's voice to be heard, and so, um, so we got to go to playcousinspodcast.com because we'll post it there we'll and drop post it the there. link there. It'll also be on our Make It Work Nevada, um, org website we're gonna have it on our instagram and twitter and everything else we got some cute little designs that brenda has made uh and we're gonna have to try to make some posters and drop them around town so people can scan that qr code so we want to make sure that we can get as many people as possible um to take this survey but to your point about getting folks out to vote it's notoriously hard in a midterm year, and this is a midterm. So presidential yeah. year always feels a little sexier because there's a lot of money. There's a lot of things going on. You'll see celebrities coming through and, um, you know, being surrogates and hosting events for elected officials, whereas the midterms are dry and and can be somewhat boring. And people are like, I don't even know who half the people are that are running and what they do. What's a U.S. senator do versus a U.S. congressperson versus whatever. Yeah. Um, but this is also uh, how we can fall behind if there is sort of some progress. You know, if there is progress happening, it usually gets stalled when a lot of seats change hands and then things start over or you have people who have some nefarious ideas around what they think our government and what our people need to be doing. And so it's not just really getting the folks excited and engaged. We really got to get these elected officials and these parties to come out and, and do the work. They have to come mm -hmm. out and they actually have to do the work in order for the people to trust them. Because well, they also need to fear us a little bit, right? That they're going to be all day long. Fear me yeah. all day long. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean they have to do the work and they have to believe that they could get their job taken um, if they don't do the work. And that's the piece that's not happening. Is that even when we do come out to vote, we've got to keep people engaged um, throughout the years. Um, so because you know there's just too many people. I remember when I was in Jacksonville. We would have the same state attorney over and over again. She never ran. She always ran unopposed. No one would run against her. So there was no fear, even though she was locking up black people at such high rates, there was no fear she would lose her job or that any accountability would happen. And that's happening a lot in our local cities and states, especially mm -hmm. um, definitely in Congress. They'd be in there till they're 105. But why do we think that is? Why do we think that or why do bad officials keep getting reelected. That's a, uh, it's a, it's a big question. I mean, I think, um, in some ways, um, are, I, I kind of think about 
um, justice as a marathon. And I've, I've never ran a marathon, but I've run a few 15 Ks. And when I say run, take that with a grain of salt, but um, a light they, jog, a light jog, a, uh, a heavy walk. And they, they always tell you when you're training that there's a certain part in the race um, where you have to, that your whole body will feel like it's about to collapse and you have to turn on the mental and it's, it's only mental that gets you to the finish line. And I feel the same way about um, justice in a way, like we get tired and we say, we keep doing this, we keep doing this and we're not seeing the results. And so then we start to go, well, I mean, the finish line just seems like it's so far away. I can't make it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop here. And, and they're counting on it because the opposition is quite organized um, and they are ready for any little piece of opening in the door for them to get in legislation to see, you know, that we're not turning out to one cycle and then they get in there and get, you know, three bad laws in while no one's looking. So I think that's one piece. Um, I also think back to the accountability piece, people say things differently on the campaign trail than they do when they're in office. And we show up at the voting booth, but then don't show up at city council or don't show up mm -hmm. at, you know, um, no one's watching them at the legislature. And so then they don't really have to answer to the fact that what they said on the campaign trail is different than what they actually do. So that, those would be two reasons for me, I don't know what you think, but. Um. Brenda. It's all about accountability. And I feel like this is why I love Make It Work and love the work because we do talk about how we also have to hold elected officials accountable, right? It's not just getting out to vote. It is completely more than that. And I love educating folks in that way, you know, because you can, if you're sit, showing up to city council meetings, right, and you keep saying the same thing over and over, eventually it's going to start picking up with some other folks. And then you, mm -hmm. in a way, are also educating other folks about what's happening. Um, because I think that's where I've learned a lot of things that are happening in my city and like school boards and everything. It's because of public comment alone. So I, I'm all for it. And usually the people who show up for public comment, I don't want to call them names, but man, they can be. <laughs> oh my gosh, they, they can go so long. Oh my passionate. gosh. Passionate is a word, but I mean, I consider myself passionate. That ain't passion. That's uh Sometimes they're on the other side of the of the um, uh, of the straight jacket. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> there can be some things that you're just like, wait, what are you talking about? What does this have to do? And you know, I think it's a hobby for them, maybe. But I, I agree. I think that we have to hold folks accountable. But at the same time, I need people who want to run for office to hold themselves accountable and do what they say they're going to do because it also can't be my job. I mean, I guess technically it is my job, but you know, it can't be everybody's job to just hold people accountable all day long. Otherwise, if we, what about the to hold the dry cleaners accountable as well? Did you do this? Did you do this now? You said you're going to press these clothes today. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to call. No, you say it's going to be done by five o'clock on Friday. I don't have to call you and then put together a petition to make sure it's done by five o'clock on Friday. You know, I think we need to figure out how politics comes back to being about um, uh, setting standards and, and laws and policies for people. You're going to go to work. 
It's not to be a superstar. It's not to, um, you know, just think about the next thing you're about to do. It's just like anybody else. You clock into your job working at a plant or somewhere. You come yeah. in to do your job and you have all day of a supervisor to do your job. They need, maybe they need more supervisors. I don't know. Maybe well, go ahead. The thing, well, I was just going to say, um, and those people who do want to do the work typically don't have the same funding as the ones that want to be super superstars, right? So there's also that, you know, when you do have someone that wants to work for the people, has good ideas, you know, they're outspent, you know, by 10, 20 times. And so then voters who aren't really um, educated on what the differences between those candidates are, will just vote, you know, for the name recognition. So it's also up to us to be thinking about how we're getting, you know, the funding to the right people and getting the the movement behind them so that they do get in office and they're not outspent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole money out of politics thing is, you know, the movement should grow because it doesn't make any sense, but yeah. we're almost done. And um, I hate that we have to wrap this up. None of these interviews for me last long enough. I feel like there's so many things we can talk about, but as we're talking about liberation and talking about, and I think the Black census helps us with liberation because we're asking the questions and we're getting to the root of what these problems are so we can be liberated. But, and we're also mothers, you know, all three of us and being a mother is a full-time job. You know, having a full-time outside job is a full-time job, having to do all of these different things. So as you're trying to help liberate your people, as you are trying to help get us all free so that we can live this in this better world. How do you do that with a two-year-old? How are you balancing that out? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know yet. <laughs> I, I, uh, every time I think I get somewhere, <laughs> this kid um, changes it. But I think one thing, um, one thing that's been really helpful for me is just um, getting out in nature and enjoying the creation that God has has put out there and um, taking some time to just breathe and just be centered and, um, and grateful for the things that I do have so I can regenerate and get out, you know, there and, and, and work for liberation of, of people as a whole. Um, and then I think the second thing is, and I, I get this more and more and I'm still young, my grandmother always would say that when she turned 75, she um, stopped um, caring about anyone else's opinion and thoughts and just said and did whatever she wanted to. And I feel like every birthday I'm getting better at that, which I feel like is my own liberation of just whatever I want to say and do, um, I'm going to do it. That's beautiful advice. Yeah, I'm the same way. And they told me 40 was going to be that age. And, and I think I, I've come into that. Like I have uh, very few um, to give. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm keeping Brenda from having to bleep anything out, but <laughs> I don't have, I don't have, I don't have any to give at this point. It's like, I'm out here, I'm doing the best I can. My best is, has to be good enough. And, you know, you just, you know, I'm trying to leave a legacy for my children the best way I know how. Yeah. Agreed. Me yeah. Too. I, I have my own rules and if you want to judge, you can judge, but you're not in my shoes. You're not doing the work that I'm doing to be judging me, right? So if my and kids are going to be up, they're going to be up. <laughs> and we have to have that grace and space for everybody that yeah. we're all doing different things. And so many things are factors are happening in our lives. So when people show up and they're trying to show up as their full self, their full self comes with baggage and it comes with stuff, you know? And so, right. and, and sometimes we're just tired 
Um, mm -hmm. And so we have to pick up the slack for our, our fellow fellow mommy out there. So thank you, Kristen. I'm so thank glad you that you came me. on to be yeah. a, now you are an honorary play cousin. So yes. hopefully you'll come Love back that. soon. Maybe we'll come back and talk about the results of the Black Census. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And the Black agenda coming after. So yes, I'm, I'm ready for that because I we need an agenda because if we, uh, we don't have one, we get caught up in somebody else's real quick. Mm. Real correct. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Talk Thank to you. Bye. And for everybody, again, we will have the link to the Black Census on our um, on our website, playcousinspodcast.com. Also on makeitworknevada.org, on our Facebook page, uh, Make It Work Nevada's uh, Instagram, Twitter. It'll be everywhere. You can find us. Um, if you have any trouble finding it, just reach out to us. We're, we're wanting everyone to take the survey, everyone who identifies as Black, to take the survey um, between now and July 31st. So you'll see us at the events and out in these streets. So tell us what you need. All right, time to move on. What we got next? Gotta give us what we need. Hey! Our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We, we got, got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power. Fight the power. Fight the power. And we're back. Welcome back to Play Cousins. I'm hey, Erica. I'm Derek. Derek is back. We have been talking about liberation. Why? Because it's Mother's Day uh, month. You know, it's uh, time for be liberated. It's almost Juneteenth. You know, Roe versus Wade stuff is happening over there. And who is oh. the best person to talk about Black liberation? Ann Turner. Let me finish. I was going to introduce her and give. Anywho, welcome. Ms. Leslie Turner to hey. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm a little nervous. I don't. I I don't like the way I sound on radio. But nobody likes the way we sound on vi on video or radio. I, actually, I don't like looking I at myself. All the time and I, <laughs> I like the way I sound. Yeah. Sorry. Except Derek, he loves the way he sounds. He probably just goes home and re-listens to himself talk. I, I was listening to it when I got called. I was late. <laughs> Anywho. Leslie, don't worry about it because you have so many great things to say. And I want to make sure we try to cover as many of those things as possible. First and foremost, please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do here in this world. Okay. Um, so I'm Leslie Turner. I am, <clears throat> I think first I'm a black mother. I have a six-year-old, which I can't believe he's six already. But me neither. Um, I saw him the other day, and I was like, "Why is he like my size?" He's yeah, so bad subject. Exactly, he's huge. Um, so I have a six-year-old. I'm a mother of a six-year-old son. His name is Nas, and um, I think, <clears throat> I guess, I'm a community uh, organizer. I'm a community advocate. Yeah. I am for Black liberation, um, and I really feel that uh, it's it's frowned upon to just like really be explicit and say black liberation. Um, so I always say that unapologetically. And I do believe that, you know, um, black liberation begets the liberation of everyone. So if we can just start with black folks, I think um, other folks will also get liberated. And we've seen that happen here on a local level. I am um, the co-director of the Mass Liberation Project, which is a local initiative here um, that really focuses on liberation and all of the ways in which we need to get liberated. So yes, it's criminal justice reform. 
um, trying to really intercept uh, the things that lead to mass incarceration. It's participatory defense, it's policy work, it's, you know, freeing people from cages. And I think even more than that, though, it's also um, a psychological shift that has to happen in the Black community and trying to put that at the forefront and also um, put putting healing at the forefront of any time we talk about liberation because we cannot be truly liberated when um, we, we're still carrying the psychological shackles of slavery and white supremacy uh, within us. And also it's like, how do we heal? How do we heal ourselves? How do we heal from the trauma, um, the generational trauma and also just the current trauma that we live on a daily basis? How do we center that, um, that healing as a part of movement and as a part of this work, this you know revolutionary work that we do. So that's kind of uh, my philosophy on organizing. And uh, just really, I'm just here for Black people, Black women, Black mamas, Black femmes, um, Black men. You know, I'm here for all the people, all the melanated peoples. <laughs> I want to tell everybody how you aren't just this one like massive thing. Leslie sat down with me in a bar and came up with the Black Democratic Empowerment Project. She also did the first rally with Black people that I saw here in my time here, the Don't Shoot Us rally or something. What was it called? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Hands up, don't shoot. It's just yeah, like the was, Don't Shoot Us rally. Yeah, yeah, and it was the first time I'd ever seen a non-political event with Black folk that was done correctly, had a purpose, and was a huge success. So Leslie has had a huge influence. And she's always talking about, I got to leave here. I got to leave here. Girl, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. you know, You're part of this event. I do. Um, you know, I have a, a definite love. My heart is definitely here with the community in Las Vegas. Um, but, you know, I'm really for the liberation of Black people globally. And I'm and I'm for like connecting with black people globally. So like really being intentional, reaching out to folks in the diaspora and building. So, you know, I will be like all over, you know, I'm a citizen of the entire globe. So I will be hopefully in, you know, the Caribbean building there. And, you know, I have a vision to uh, be on sabbatical <laughs> next year. And I'm hoping that I could be in the Caribbean but also, you know, I went to Nigeria, I went to Ghana last year. So I'm, you know, in connection with community folks out there that I'm building with. So, you know, I, I don't know, who knows where I'll end up. But, Do they um, have this problem in the Caribbean? The same problems we have because they make it seem like, you know, black people running black people. Yeah, I think that we, the, the product, the products of white supremacy like exist everywhere. I think that they, there's a different set of problems when you go to the Caribbean. It's a lot of economic um, injustices that occur. But when you go somewhere like Barbados, for instance, where they're, you know, really, they just got their independence from um, England, I believe it was. Yeah, like right? the other day. Like they yeah. literally got it. <laughs> um, and you know, that's a... a really significant thing that's happening there where they're like, you know, claiming their sovereignty and building a, you know, a black nation, black leaders, black, um, 
you know, prime ministers. And it's actually that country is led by a black woman. And I think that, you know, there is there is a significant shift that creates a space for black folks in the diaspora to go and to thrive and to build and to um, just feel what it's like to be, you know, surrounded by people and being the majority and having a nation that actually caters to that and um, uplifts that, I think is something like really powerful. And then, you know, Jamaica is also filing for their independence this year. And- They're crazy, their independence. Yes, yeah, which is, it's profound, you know, to think that all this time, you know, they've still been under, you know, England's rule. So um, I think that, it's that's why I want to be there. I want to be kind of in that energy. And also, you know, it, you do feel the difference when you travel places where it's like, you know, it's it's just run by black people. It's just it's a different vibe. Like Atlanta. So, <laughs> <laughs> I still have problems. You know, everyone has problems, especially because us as black people have problems. And a lot of those problems are rooted in um, you know, the psychological impact of white supremacy in which we've had to endure you know it's like it, it, we embody it it's not just you know white people that embody white supremacy it's black folks as well so um so yeah you're gonna see problems everywhere you go i had spoke i spoke to some comrades out in brazil and rio and it was crazy because they said you know yeah you know the biggest problem that that black people face in rio is that you know, the police just keep killing us. And I'm like, same, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, you know, so there are a lot of parallels and there's a lot of um, experiences that are kind of like a global experience in terms of blackness that we need to talk about and we need to be in solidarity around and building solutions together so that we can um, talk about what liberation really means because we can't be liberated as African-Americans and then, you know, all the other Black people around the world are not liberated. So. You know, when they look down on American Blacks, I'm like, where's your Oprah? Where's your Barack? Because in their <laughs> own countries, they're dealing with it in like not dealing with it. So anyway, let's move on to but local I, stuff. But I, but I think that there's a ripple effect. I mean, I'm so interested in, in this idea of the diaspora and how things affect us and where did that start? Not necessarily um, white supremacy. We sort of have a you know idea in the root causes of that. But even thinking about current issues, when we had the uprising uh, in 2020 uh, and, and in earlier around Black Lives Matter, like you saw that ripple effect around the world, and and uh, you saw rallies everywhere else. But you also see that there's oppression. There's police oppression in African countries. There's police oppression in European countries, and all of that. And we don't necessarily tap into that in the same way that that we should so that we know like art is not an oppression olympics we are all oppressed uh and we're seeing it differently and we need to come together in in a lot of ways so that we can have this unity because we're not a minority in that sense we're, we're not a minority we just we are feel like a minority in certain spaces and so you know even when we talk about like roe versus wade and all that they are uh rolling back healthcare rights in other countries as well that have had uh, access to abortion even before the United States did. And so, right. and then 
it, it affects so many different people and certainly poor folks more than anybody. And that doesn't mean just black, you know, that poor is poor. So there's just so many things that we need to, to cover for us to even be remotely liberated. So when you are going to Barbados and Jamaica, just let you know, I have a passport and I have, uh, <laughs> I, I have, I have my TSA know. world uh, entry or whatever ready. to get through customs. <laughs> I am, I'm ready to go. You know, I have some, I was on the phone with Kinfolk. It's an organization out of the UK, London. And we were talking about how there was so much solidarity around the world during the George Floyd uprising. And it's like, we need to move past just like being in solidarity. Um, we need to like actually start building strategy together, actually start communicating and seeing what is it gonna take for all of us to work together to bring forth um, a new idea of what liberation actually means that addresses all of those things you just talked about, um, Erica. So I have a question for both of you. Uh -huh. Talking about the mass liberation to get moms out of jail, the blah, 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 blah. Do y'all ever get tired of being black? You know what? I'm, I'm really at this place where I'm trying to um, create more spaces of joy in my life. Because yeah, it is, it's, it gets tiring. It gets draining. It's, it's, it takes an emotional and physical toll on your body. Um, it's hard. It's it's hard to yeah, like everybody hates Chris. You know, so uh, yeah, for sure, definitely. There's days where I'm just like, you know, you know. I, I, yeah, I think we all get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't never get sick and tired of being black. And I don't. And I don't look at it as wanting to commit any sort of violence. And, and to Leslie's point, it's like really the the um the liberation is being able to rest is being able to go and do something joyful go to the beach spend time with my family you know if i want to sit and watch netflix all day and just do that and just live my happy black life and not be concerned about what anybody else needs from me or how they see me as a person and having to show up in some sort of way and so no liberation is vacation and it's because I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard, but I don't believe in that grind till you die. Don't sleep. You know, none of that. That's not liberation. And that's not going to get me any closer to uh, any sort of freedom whatsoever, because you're not going to run me into the ground. I am going to go and have a pedicure and I'm going to go eat a lovely meal somewhere and I'm going to enjoy it. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that's and we have to, as a community, embrace that and support that, because too often, like. People like myself that are out here, you know, in the grind, it's like, dang, y'all want me to be poor forever? <laughs> like, y'all, y'all gonna be- Oh, they do. Yes. Y'all gonna be I do this. Don't get me started on, you know, some of the rumors out there about folks yeah. and how people spend money or what have you, when you can't really prove it. And it's like, you want somebody to be poor. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> I got to imagine that. Yep. <laughs> like if my grandparents had nice things, I can have nice things too. Right. And we and we deserve it. Like we deserve every day. Business. And like with the Black Lives Matter lady um, who bought the house, a million dollar house in L.A. is nothing. But yet it was like you're going to get punished because you did something and it affected people. So now we're going to find a way to punish you. There is no perfect person out there. But also, like she has her own money. She has her own thing. She's accomplished. Like she went to USC and has a degree, a master's degree in film. Um, she has like a deal with Warner Brothers, so like she mm -hmm. can afford to buy that house and she deserves it. So it's like, why are we mad? So both of you though have bid on the receiving end of that, and like you still go ahead. Why? Mm -hmm. 
it's just I don't think it's ever a question as to why it's just like it's it's just a part of who I am and a part of how I was raised how I grew up and it's it just feels for me I know it's a part of my destiny as well like that's what I'm here on this earth to accomplish is to like be a warrior for my people so you know it's not it's something that actually I feel off balance when I'm not doing this you know so I just have to learn how to balance it with rest and caring for myself and cultivating joy as well because you know I can't just spend all my time you know in the fight and also I have to learn to use my gifts um for liberation in creative ways because it's not always fighting either there's a lot of things that bring forth liberation for our people um and you know sometimes that can look like writing a book sometimes that can look like you know, making creative content for the world to see that shifts consciousness in a certain direction. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I'm on. I, I hope to be on sabbatical, like I said, next year, where I can really just rest and um, be in my gifts and think about liberation on a broader scale, um, because it's bigger than just the fight. The fight is here and we're in it, of course, but- Make um, a better world for Nas and the three little ladies that Erica is raising. Exactly. Yeah, we it, it's a, we got a legacy. It's a there's a legacy that needs yeah. to be paved so that I am leaving the world a little bit better than it was, and I'm also honoring my ancestors and you know and my grandparents and and all of those folks who are no longer here that I'm still living up to uh, what they saw in me. I think that is really truly important, and um, you know, I, I say it all the time, and I don't know I may have said it on the podcast already. I feel privileged. I live a privileged life like there, you know, I'm still black and I still live in America and I'm still a woman and there's still a lot of oppression, but I also have privilege in a lot of areas and I have a privilege to have this job to be the executive director of Make It Work Nevada for now four years and be able to advocate for and with alongside black women in this in this country and in this state um no one ever told me that that was a job i could be like when you grow up what do you want to be no one ever mentions anything even remotely about activism, activism. Yeah. but i can get paid to be an activist to to active to uh activate other people and 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 do use my creativity to uh find new ways to think about policy and and all of that to have this podcast to do all of this stuff like I, I can't complain. Like a lot of this work can break your heart and I can, I've worked 80 hour weeks, but at the same time, I'm still privileged to be able to do this instead of doing something that I absolutely hate and have to do it in order to feed my children and okay. all that work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it does take a lot of time, you know, it does take a lot of energy and you are working to liberate us as a people and pulling some of us along some of us are going uh willingly and other folks we're having to convince but at the same time you have a six-year-old boy how do you balance liberating your people and being a mother um i would like i think the best thing or the first thing that comes to mind for me is just boundaries you know and that's something i had to learn to say no and to do so unapologetically because I just was always accessible to everyone whenever they need, whenever they need it. <clears throat> and I had to really be like, you know, no, I actually can't do that because I'm with my son today or I'm taking my son to the park today or, you know, I'm the, today is family time and I can't stop everything I'm doing right now to solve a problem for you or to, you know, go post a bail or do this or do that. So 
Um, I think for me, it's just like learn, uh, setting stronger boundaries has been, um, has given me the, the capacity to actually have some balance and make sure that I am there, I am uh, active in my son's life. Because it's hard, you know, being a, a mother raising a son alone, um, you know, and I'm thankful I have a village of a lot of black men that constantly love my son, pour into my son, um, you know, hug and kiss my son, talk, you know, about him school, talk to him about his behavior, all those things. Um, so I'm black, I'm blessed in that regard. Um, but you know, I have to prioritize my child too. So, and myself too, I have to prioritize myself. You didn't used to do that. I remember when you didn't do that and I'm so proud that you got there. Yeah. And it's, and for me, it's just all about boundaries and yeah, I mean, I think the first probably three or four years of doing this work, it was just like the work. But yeah, I just, um, you know, and, and the part of that too is just growth, like getting older, you know, um, being on a spiritual uh, journey, all the things that come with, um, you know, just growing up, you know, just uh, maturing and um, evolving. So yeah, I'm at a place now where it's just, it's all about boundaries for me. So I have no problem being like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I can't respond to this until Monday or you know, um, I'm actually eight o'clock at night. I'm not leaving my house to go do nothing for nobody because I'm at home with my child. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. And like I said, also, is like prioritizing myself, because if I'm not pouring into myself, I'm not loving on myself and taking care of myself, then I can't be there for my son. So I definitely can't be there for the community, you know, so um, just having to really focus on self-love. And that's something that I've always struggled with um, my entire life. So it's, you know, it's still a struggle, but I'm doing a lot better in that regard. But I'm, you know, I have to really like love myself and love on myself. I w- before we wrap up the Black Mamas bailout, if you want to tell people a little about what that is mm-hmm. and then overall how people can get involved even after Mother's Day with helping okay. um, Black Mamas and other folks. But yeah, so on the 21st. Bailout um, is a five-year-old initiative that is a national um, collective of Black organizers, mostly Black femmes and women who are organizing in their communities for liberation. And what started out is just like, let's just raise money and just free our people. Um, But I think it's evolved from just that to where now it's connected to like policy change, it's connected to um, the broader organizing work that we're doing across the country uh, to really change systems, but also to uh, um, kind of address the material conditions of people right now. Like, what do our people need right at this moment? And they need to be out of a cage. So I think um, right now, like I said, we're in our fifth year of bailing out Black moms. And it's always just like, why Black moms? Well, Black mom, it was Black moms because we're a black we're Black moms. So if we're not going to focus on us, who else is? And then also... Mm-hmm. Black women are uh, disproportionately represented in the criminal justice system globally, nationally, and locally. So uh, that would be why we focus on Black women. And um, once we get them out, once we post their bail, then we really pour into them. We help them with their cases. We help them. Um, tell people get- what they're usually in for. Like, what's the common stuff that it's like, why are they in for this? Um, it varies, um, but because we don't have like a, a criteria like, oh, we only bail out people who are on low level offenses. Like, it's not that. Like, so what we do is really rooted in 
getting to the cause of why what what landed them in the situation in the first place. Last year, the majority of the people we bailed out were in for um, unpaid traffic tickets, um, a lot of like trespassing, a lot of prostitution prostitution charges, stuff like that, which are you know really super low level to be putting someone in a cage. Um, and in particular, you know, traffic tickets, which we were also simultaneously working up at the legislature to pass AB 116 alongside other, you know, a bunch of other community organizations um, to decriminalize traffic tickets. But that was a perfect example of because it was like, oh, my God, why are y'all just bailing out black moms? Well, we're, we're bailing out black moms. Because nobody also, else to do it. Nobody <laughs> else to take care of well, us. Yeah, that part. And also, like, when we say black the liberation of everyone comes through the liberation of black people. That is an example because we free, we cleared out the city jail and the county jail of all black women. And at the same time, we were up at the legislature passing a bill that made it that now you can't put anybody in a cage for traffic tickets, you know, starting January, 2023. Um, that's an example of like, yeah, we're doing the policy work and we're doing the work that is going to free everybody, but we are going to start with our people. We are going to start with the people who are a reflection of us. Especially because, because we're directly impacted. We've been in cages ourselves. So Yeah. And because when black women are free, that will necessitate the freedom of everybody else. The Babahi River Collective will yeah. will will school you and, and, and help you understand what that means. Because I've said the same thing. That is the basis of our vision here at Make It Work Nevada. And uh, you know, when we worked on paid sick days and all of that, it wasn't black lady plays paid sick day everybody was going to get some basic days mm -hmm. but we start with organizing and advocating for black women because people don't spend enough time thinking about all the things they need uh and and, and it's just it it's just what we what i'm here to do all right Sorry. well leslie i want to thank you i appreciate you coming on even with not liking the way your voice sounds on the radio i think it will sound great i think you say great things and i think people will enjoy hearing the sound of your voice and the words that came out of your mouth and i'm hoping that they will get involved with mass live in some way shape or form can you tell people how they can get involved with mass live yes um so you can the best way to reach out to us and get involved is on our Facebook page, Mass Liberation Project Nevada. Uh, you can just shoot us an inbox and we'll connect with you that way. You can also fill out a volunteer form on our website, which is www.massliberationnv.com. Um, we're pretty active on social media and we usually uh, respond like within a couple of hours. So hopefully uh, I'll hear from some of y'all, some of the listeners and Thank you for having me. And, you know, hopefully uh, my voice doesn't sound too squeaky. <laughs> I have a squeaky voice, so, okay. All right. I appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you have continued to do in Nevada. All right. Leslie's an official play cousin now, y'all. Much love. Thank you. Thank Good you. Time. And that was a uh, play cousin. Hopefully uh, you all will join us on the next time on play cousins. Uh, but yeah. until next time, y'all, we out. Yeah, we out. Play cousins, we're not related. Play Cousins is powered by Make It Work Nevada, a project of Tides Advocacy. Created by Derek Washington and produced by Erica Washington and Brenda Zamora. For more information, please visit www.playcousinspodcast.com.